0: Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church that's in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you'll be able to hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a sermon from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. Awesome. Come on, let's give it up for Clifton, giving us that information. We were uh, talking at our last board meeting, and because now the stock company can receive crypto stuff, and so we were talking, and uh, Clifton was, like, explaining the stuff, and I repeated it wrong, and he said, Pastor, maybe I'll just say it. I said, that sounds good, Clifton. You just tell everybody, and I'll just stick to preaching. Praise the Lord. But uh, anyway, thanks so much, Clifton, for that. Seems like a lot of Rosses up here today. Had Elisa leading worship, and Maria graduating, and Clifton on video, and... Another Ross preaching. Um, It's a a different family of Rosses, but we're all Rosses. So, you know, it's great. So thanks to you guys for that. And a shout out to that. Hey, I want to give a big congratulations to our junior Bible quizzers. Last week, many of you had them wash your car on the way out. Also, many of you did not. That's okay. But we're going to give them congratulations just the same. They finished, uh, I wrote down in my notes, 55th and 40th in the whole country. Come on out of, I think, thousands of teams that participated this year. And uh, that's awesome, so big shout out to them. and I want to say thank you for praying for me this week and, and uh, our family, but each and every meeting that I was in was spiritually significant. and I uh, just want to give you a little updates. On, on Monday night, as I, I preached there in Ohio, there was multiple churches, citywide gathering, people came in. want to give you a report. I uh, always want it to be worth it for those that I leave behind if it's for me to be there and just want to give testimony that there was almost 40 salvations, 70 baptisms in the Holy Spirit and uh, two dozen called into full-time ministry or mission field. Come on, that's a good day right there. So I always love getting reports like that because, you know, the 3 a.m. alarm isn't amazing. And Tuesday, I woke up in Ohio and drove to Detroit, Michigan and flew through Atlanta, Georgia to be in Springfield, Missouri before 11 a.m. And uh, so that was a record for me, four states before 11, but uh, then got into those meetings, praise God. And, uh, uh, the presentations made to our national leadership team, those elected on the board, and our executive officers went so well, they uh, enacted uh, two task force to already put that into practice. Sorry if you're watching online, that's not public for a little bit more, but praise the Lord, people are going to find out eventually anyway, so uh, they're probably not watching our service. But thank you for praying for us, for me, and uh, we're excited to be here. And uh, throughout the week, uh, as I go to Acts chapter 15. I'm talking about mission critical initiatives. It was amazing how uh, flew on Thursday night, Friday morning, got up and picked up Alton Garrison, who was our assistant general superintendent, but he preached here just a couple years ago, and he was with our staff yesterday and working um, Acts 2 journey. Whenever I hear things multiple times throughout the week, I, my ears always perk up, like, what is God doing? And so um, I saw this happen with what God had given me uh, a couple weeks back for us today, then what our general superintendent, Doug Clay, talked about, and then Alton Garrison. So I'll get into that in the message, and uh, we're just really excited for everything that's going on. So if If you have a Bible, you can turn to Acts chapter 15. Uh, If not, we're going to put it up on the screen. And if you're able, would you stand to your feet this morning as we read God's word together? Uh, We're in the council at Jerusalem. We're reading here in Acts chapter 15. Next two weeks are going to be awesome. Out of Acts chapter... Sixteen, You know, because that's right after 15. So next week, uh, we're going to talk about different types of people in the church here in Scripture and at our church. And then uh, the last Sunday of June, Pastor Vicente is going to share from Acts 16, 16 um, about deliverance and what we're seeing happen. So you don't want to miss that. If you are going to be gone, have a great vacation. But tune in. Watch online. We don't want you to miss what God is doing and speaking to us and uh, have to catch you up too much when you get back. So Acts chapter 15, verses 22, to 41, let's just do uh, 29 at the start here this morning. The Bible says, then the apostles and elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, who were leaders among the believers, and with them they sent the following letter, the apostles and elders, your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Sicilia. Cilicia, sorry, Sicilian pizza, I'm hungry. Cilicia, he said, greetings, they said greetings. But here's where the message turns. We've heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you troubling your minds by what they've said. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you and our dear brothers Barnabas and Paul, men who've risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What were they saying? Their testimony matters. These are not fly-by-night, new to the deal. These men have served the Lord faithfully. So listen to them. Verse 27. Therefore, we're sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we're writing. It seemed good. I love these words. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You're to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things farewell. I want to talk about mission critical initiatives. I think it's so important as the church is growing and going that we're reminded right here in this text of some key things that we all got to be part of. So let's pray here this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the great gift of your son, Jesus. and, And we welcome and want the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So have your way in all of us. Help us to become more like you, Lord Jesus. And we pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Hopefully you got a note sheet. Uh, look at that. On the back, there's announcements. And on the front, we've got these four points. Um, as I mentioned, when I hear things in multiple times from people who don't know what's going on, I begin to really uh, have an increased heightened awareness, sensitivity, to the Holy Spirit, what he's saying. And uh, I'd written this outline for this text. You know, we're working through the book of Acts, but wrote this. And then on Wednesday, I'm in my meetings at our national headquarters, General Superintendent Doug Clay, the leader of the Assemblies of God USA, says, you know, before we enter into our business, I just want to share a devotional thought. I want to give a leadership teaching from Acts chapter 15. I leaned over to my dad and said, I'm preaching from Acts chapter 15 this Sunday. And then Doug Clay says, I want to talk about dealing with disagreements. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to take a lot of notes and By the way, then on Friday when I'd returned home and picked up out in Garrison and we drove up to the campground, we're working through with our staff on some of these uh, dream of a church win and awesome things for our church and he says, you know, tonight I'm going to talk about dealing with conflict. I said, okay, I'm preaching from Acts 15. Doug said, "Dealing with disagreements. Okay, maybe the Lord is in this. And so, but Wednesday night, I I skip back. I'm talking with uh, Doug Clay after our meeting is over. And I said, man, I really appreciate your words this morning. He said, oh, it's great. I, I don't think we talk about it much. We don't understand it much. But it's paramount for our fellowship as a voluntary cooperative fellowship that we get this right. I said, you know, Pastor Doug, this Sunday, I'm preaching from Acts chapter 15. He said, you don't say Can I get your notes? (laughs) And I was like, maybe, you know, because you you don't want to like lose your credentials. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I'm going, okay. And but if it's good, and he's going to tell everybody else. If it's bad, I don't want him to know. But I just said, okay, Lord, you're working on this. And so I gave him those because it's just so important in our time. So we're going to talk about that today within all the assemblies of God, but really specifically for us here at Celebration Church, mission critical. Initiatives. We're on mission for the glory of God, and these are critical to accomplishing what He set us out to do. So, uh, Richard Appel, a business leader, said this about mission-critical initiatives. I copied and pasted it from the internet because I could hardly understand it, so I just copied and pasted it. (laughs) I'll give you the pastoral summary for people who need more explanation later. A significant part of successful strategic planning is the ultimate requirement to rigorously execute key strategic initiatives. Properly planning and executing strategic initiatives is a critical success factor and as such has become a core process and competency throughout the organization. To this end, it's an important part of building a high-performance execution culture. What's the pastor's summary? This stuff matters. Number one, (laughs) right from Acts chapter 15. Number one, if we're going to accomplish the mission, the first mission-critical initiative is that we must fight for unity. That's not fight with each other. That's not primarily fighting against stuff, but fight for unity. If we were to go back and read here, this group that had taken place, uh, what they had encountered is there, there was some sideways energy being expended. There was some people who went out, and they were spreading an unauthorized message. They were not saying things that aligned what we would call now with the Word of God. They were not aligned with the ministry of the Holy Spirit. They were not confirmed by leadership in their life, but they just had some stuff they wanted to say. Have you ever met a Christian that just needs to speak their mind? (laughs) By the way, I don't know if you know this, but if you read in Scripture, we don't really want our mind. We want to have the mind of Christ. (laughs) So if someone's like, I just want to speak my mind, you probably shouldn't if you want to do what the Lord has for you. Come on, we ought to have the mind of Christ. But there are times especially when false things are being said and spread, there are times to raise your voice and fight for unity, right? These folks, uh, the unauthorized message was disturbing the believers and causing division. This is important because many of you uh, think what we're going through right now, 2023, that it's new, but it's not new. There's always been, since the beginning of time, there's always been people who've sought to bring division into the church of Jesus Christ. Sadly, it's often people from within the church. This is why it goes back to accountability last week, Acts chapter 13. Again, if you'd only been in bad situations, abusive deals, we use the word connectivity. It's important that we're connected with other people. These rogue believers went out. They detached themselves from the company of believers and they said, we just got to do whatever we want. I'm deeply concerned about rogue spiritual agents on two levels. Number one, the devil always goes after people that are isolated and removed from the context of community. We, we saw this over the last couple of years, right? Isolation is not good for us. We're made for relationship. We're made for community. And when people remove themselves from any checks and balances in their life, we all need a circle of people for the highs and for the lows. And they they step out. But then it's also concerning when rogue spiritual agents are bringing division and disruption into other people's lives. Now they got other Gentile believers that are deeply disturbed because some unauthorized messages are going for. These troublemakers didn't have the approval of the apostles and the elders, and they were up to no good. They were stirring the pot with two hands. <laughs> Maybe some of you have met that believer. <laughs> Don't look at him if you're sitting next to him. <laughs> we've got to be connected with somebody. This doesn't mean we're living in this authoritarian deal where we've got to ask permission to speak at all, but there is support and blessing by being Connected. I don't have to ask my wife if I can, but I'm wise if I ask her if I should. She doesn't ask me if she can buy something. By the way, we've been married long enough, she doesn't really ask me if she should anymore. (laughs) Because it's her birthday. Get what you want, babe. Let me know. We'll be excited together, you know. But come on, but there's a blessing because we're working together. Our marriage is stronger when we work together on the finances, not against each other. It's not this permission deal, but we're connected. So what did the apostles and elders do? We can read if we had more time. Maybe you want to read the whole chapter this week. They got the believers together, and they said, we've got to do something because of the unauthorized message, because of the disruption, this disturbing thing that's happening. We've got to fight for unity that's in jeopardy of being lost. Not uniformity, as we see throughout the scripture. They didn't say everybody has to be just the same, but we've got to be together. Now, the truth is, I don't think the American church is unfamiliar, no stranger to fights. The problem is, it seems that many American Christians, I use that word in that order on purpose, have become more consumed with fighting against stuff, and they're ignoring the fight for unity. Unity. And whenever we forget what we're really fighting against and what we should be fighting for, we'll turn on each other. And the danger comes from within. I do think we need to fight against stuff. But fighting for unity with one another is paramount for the church in these last days. Right? If we go back last fall when we began in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, the Bible says they were all together in one place. They were unified. It wasn't the same type of people. It wasn't uniformity. People had come from all over. There was people in the land that had different um, nationalities, different languages, but they were they 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 were committed to the Great Commission. They just said, even though we're different, we're going to be better together. So we see that in Acts chapter two. We see it where unity was a powerful thing, even if you weren't doing it for the purposes of God. In the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 11, the Tower of Babel. And God said, you know what? If one people speak in the same language, if they set out to do the same thing, what's gonna stop them? So all of a sudden, God had to stop their evil plan, their ill intent to worship themselves. We'll we'll build our own tower to heaven. He said, I gotta confuse the language. Why? Because if we'll get on the same page, nothing can stop us. We, we've seen it. It's a prerequisite to revivals and outpourings around the world. Here, we, we saw that Azusa Street, right? We're talking, it was like people came together. They didn't look alike. They didn't talk the same way. They weren't even sure about all the things they believed because there's nothing written down, but all of a sudden they said, we just want to experience the presence of God. There's something that happens when we're unified. Doug Clay, I, at the end, I'm going to give you a lot of what he said. I'm going to give you his whole teaching on point four. That's, that's the benefit of being here in the second service. I don't have to end it any time, but I'm, I'll end. It's okay. But he said this, we must remain firm in our theological convictions while retaining relationship with those who believe differently. That's the combination of grace and truth. We've got to remain firm in our theological convictions. We've got to hold fast to truth. But we're gonna, if we retain relationship with those who believe differently, we've got to have some grace in our life as well. So hear me in this room. Let me give you the summary for you here today. We will not capitulate to the desires of society and change what we believe. I thought like more than eight people would have agreed with me on that, by the way. Like some of you, if you were ever gonna give amen to the pastor, that was your time. Thank you, appreciate it. It's a little late now, but you know, I'll say it again just so you could try it once again. We cannot, we are not, we will not capitulate to the desires of society and change what we believe. Yeah. Thank you. Feels like I'm preaching in the South now. But we can also not afford to lower ourselves to their level and behave poorly. We must remain firm. We must be fair while we fight for unity. Here's the second mission critical initiative. If we miss this, we might miss it all. Number two, don't major on the minors. My dad used to always tell me, Christians are famous for answering questions nobody's asking. (laughs) Like, what are we doing? (laughs) Now, to be fair, he used to say pastors, but I was trying to broaden it so it's not just me and him. Okay, you know, but come on, let's not major... On the minors. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. The religious leaders before Jesus was born and during his life, I think, even still to this day, right? But back then in Bible times, they created rules around rules around rules. In the Old Testament, we see outlined a system of 613 laws, according to Google. I did not count them this week. I just want to confess that to you. I researched it by Googling it. Don't act like you don't do the same level of research in your life. Okay, 613 laws, 365 negative commands, and 248 positive laws. But the Pharisees, I don't think they're bad people. I love the book, Accidental Pharisees. I don't think they set out to do it on purpose. They were just trying their best to become like him and look for the Messiah. But but they created over 1,500 additional fence laws for the people to obey. What did they say, right? Jesus boiled it down to two things, but then there was these other laws around it. We had the 10 commandments and then they got 613 laws and then they're like, how about 1500 laws? And what they were saying is, if we put the fence here, there's no way people will make the mistake way over there. But here's the problem. Who decides how far the fence needs to be? And all of a sudden, we've got people trying to follow form and function, rules and regulations, and they miss the heart of God. So here they said, because, because we're always prone to this as well, right? I think that's part of the human condition. We're prone to focus on stuff and draw lines that don't affect us. So we tend to say, well, if you're gonna live a holy life, here's the line. And guess where it is? It's always right beyond whatever I'm gonna do. We do it that way with money, right? We're like, well, how much is too much? About a thousand more than I make. That's the line. <laughs> you get a pay raise? I'd like to reconsider what the new cap is approvable for. You know what I'm saying? Like we always, morality issues, we tend to draw the line. We put the fence rarely where God puts it. But we put it where we'd like it to be. And it's amazing. I've met very few few humans. <laughs> easy for me to say, but I've met very few humans. You humans, moving on. That when they put up the fence, they make sure they're outside of it. We always put up the fence so that we're on the inside and all the bad people are on the outside. So it's part of the age-old condition for us as humans, right? That, That they had to get together. We see it here. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. What did the spiritual leaders, what did the believers do when there was... Disturbing news and chaotic messages. What did they do? They got together and they prayed. It's like, what an idea. Our brothers and sisters around the world, they, they know what's up with that, but but there are far too many people living in our nation claiming to be Christians, and they only pray for the meal. They only pray when they're in trouble. These believers knew we've got to do the only thing that we can really do, we've got to pray. They did something significant, and it was in their prayers that they heard from the Holy Spirit. And they were unified in their prayers according to what the Holy Spirit said. It's hard to get on the same page with the Holy Spirit if you never pray. Friends, there is a uniquely unifying activity still called corporate prayer. Right? It brings us together and it helps us hear the Spirit of God. By the way, look at what it said there. are seemed good to the Holy Spirit. You'll never know what seems good to the Holy Spirit if you don't pray. But then he said, and to us. We cannot diminish the value of corporate connectivity. We've got too many believers that their prayer might sound like it seemed good to the Holy Spirit in me. Or maybe if we really wanted to unpack what they said, it feels good to me and I hope the Holy Spirit doesn't disagree. You know, when we close in a while, at <laughs> is going to lead us in that song again, rest on us. It's not just rest on me, but rest on us because we're talking about this corporate mission that God has us on Together, so look at this. The Holy Spirit and the leader said, "We need to unburden the people of God from extra rules and regulations." There was people going through, given a teaching that that you had to do more, you had to try harder, you couldn't contrary to what they were told. So what they said is we're not going to major on the minors. We're going to keep the main thing, the main thing. They said you're going to abstain from just a couple things, food sacrificed to idols from blood the meat from strangled animals and sexual immorality, and I love this. They proved their heart was for them. They weren't trying to keep them from having a good time. They, weren't trying to, they said you will do well to avoid these things. Here's the truth, friends. In a time when society is attempting to avoid all semblance of absolute truth that guides our daily lives, it still remains true. Your best life is a Jesus life in following what the Word of God says. You don't have to like it. You don't even need to agree with it. But if you'll follow the instructions of Scripture, I'm telling you, your life will be better for it. So the application for us, if you're in a position of leadership, and by the way, we're all leading somebody, then it's important for us to unburden those who are entrusted to our care and don't major on the minors. Don't put undue stress and emphasis on things that don't really matter. Keep your focus on what matters most. Keep the main thing the main thing. Whenever I talk with people, it seems like they got an issue going on. But the more we talk, it seems like there's something else going on. You ever met somebody like that? And like they say, this is the issue. But then later on, you find out there's something else happening. Let me just mention this as followers of Jesus, fill with the Holy Spirit. When you encounter a problem in your marriage, in your family, at your job, take a minute and pray together. Just pause for a moment and I mean don't like get fired over it. I'm just saying, like, you know, pause for a moment because sometimes what's going on, it's not really going on, but there's something powerful. If we'll just pray together with our spouse, if we'll pray together with our family, with our classmate, our coworker, whatever it is, if we'll pray, there's something about we gotta get back to this point that it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us. We've got to fight against individualistic faith here in our nation that we're in this together. All right, number three, it's another mission critical initiative. If we miss this, we might miss it all. Number three, we've got to strengthen and encourage one another. This is so important. Verses 30 to 33, it just seemed so plain to me this week. And So the men were sent off and they went down to Antioch where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, They said much to encourage and strengthen the believers, and after spending some time there, they were sent off by the believers with the blessing of peace to return to those who'd sent them. Oh, that's... Quite the change has taken place right there in that town. Quite the change has taken place with those believers. They were in problems. They were in chaos. They were struggling. And then the ministry of the word, the fellowship of the saints, the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, even the gift of prophecy, everything changed. I'm so thankful that here we read couple of prophets in the New Testament after Pentecost, their focus was on encouraging and strengthening the believers. Yeah. I can't imagine being a person not wanting to be strengthened, encouraged, and comforted today. Well, no, I'd rather stay beat down. I'd rather stay defeated, and I just don't think I can make it. <laughs> Come on, that's what a gift of prophecy will help somebody do. Paul gives us this encouragement or this explanation. Later, he would write to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He said, this ought to be, the gift of prophecy ought to strengthen, comfort, and encourage one another. Come on, everybody should want that. Everybody ought to want a a prophetic word that's going to strengthen, that's going to encourage, and it's going to comfort. That's what's going to change. I, I think that's why the devil wants the church of Jesus Christ to avoid the ministry of the Holy Spirit in these days. He doesn't want us strengthened. He doesn't want us comforted. He doesn't want us encouraged. We've been talking so much about it this year and sharing everywhere I can around our state and around the nation. The ministry of the Holy Spirit, especially through the gift of prophecy, I'm convinced, is deeply needed in our land today. But have you noticed the devil, he, he works the same way. He he goes after something God created that's good, a good gift from God, and he twists it and he distorts it into something bad, right? We, we've seen this abuse in, in our lives and in other people. We see it throughout Scripture, but like Acts 15 right here, we see prophets going to a place that has problems, and when operating correctly, uh, all of a sudden, they're strengthened, they're encouraged. They're, it's problem solving, problem fixing. It's not stirring up trouble. It's not stirring up drama. People gathered together and they were glad. They were encouraged and strengthened. When prophecy works correctly, then all of a sudden people are built up in their faith. But when it's bad, come on, when it's unbiblical and abusive, people don't want to gather together. They want to avoid the drama and the trouble. And instead of being encouraged and strengthened, they leave discouraged and beat down. Let me take it beyond prophecy for a minute in the ministry of the word. Let me just talk to you about your regular, everyday relationships, your marriage, your friendships, whatever that is. Right now, I want you to think of somebody that when you hang out with them, you always smile, you feel built up, you feel encouraged. When you're done with them, you just feel like, I can make it, I'm going to make it. And we all think of people like that. But then think about it on the other side. Contrast that. Think about somebody else that you don't, you know, like when you're done with them, you just feel icky. <laughs> somebody like pick a, bad, a better word. I don't know. Icky. That's the word that I'm just saying. Like you just, like when you see them coming, you want to avoid them. Because you just know you're going to feel drugged down. They're just going to spread something. You just, let me just give it to you this way. Do it the right way and not the wrong way. <laughs> Come on, prophecy, friendships, whatever it is, come on. Let's be people who strengthen and encourage one another, not people who other people want to avoid. So look at this. This was a chaotic situation. The people were disturbed. There was lots of confusion. And verse 33 says that the prophets arrived, that the word of the Lord from the leadership came. People were encouraged and they were strengthened. And then the Bible says, at the end of verse 33, they were sent off with the blessing of peace. You know, we've got plenty of places that we see disruption and and discouragement and chaos and confusion. I believe we need the word of the Lord and the ministry of prophecy now as much as ever. We need the blessing of peace. And we're not going to get it if we set aside the word of the Lord and the ministry of his spirit. We're not going to get it by voting on things. We're not going to get it by reasoning together. We must include the word of the Lord and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And where those things happened, peace was the natural result. They got the blessing of peace. We're living in confusing times, and many of us are, correctly so, deeply desert- disturbed, and there's chaos all around us. But it's not just outside the walls of churches. Tragically, it's inside many churches as well. And so we desperately need to get this right today. We cannot afford for confusion and disruption to wreak havoc in our land any longer. And I believe this is the antidote for what transpired in our nation in 2020 with isolation and division. We need to come together for encouragement and strength. The word of the Lord and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, which will ultimately result in peace. Can I get a good amen? Amen. Number four. I moved toward a close, but I'm not done. just want to be clear. Number four. When we disagree multiply, don't divide. This is so important. As Pastor Doug had talked about, we're not going to agree on everything. And when we disagree, when good Bible-believing Christians disagree, multiply, don't divide. Let's look at this, verse 34 to 41. Silas decided to remain there. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch where they and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord. Sometime later, they'd been ministry partners. God had blessed the work of their hands. Some time later, Paul said to Barnabas, you know what? Let's go back. Let's go visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John also called Mark with them, but Paul did not think it wise to take him. By the way, notice it did not say that it was a sin to take him. I will get back to the text in a minute. I'll explain some other things, but we must be very careful when we confuse wisdom issues and sin issues. He just said it's not wise. What was he saying? I just don't really want to be with that dude. And all I know is we would be wise, maybe I shouldn't use that word when I'm describing wise, it would behoove us, who says behoove? (laughs) What am I at, Haven Acres? Behoove, (laughs) that's a horse hoof, never mind, bad joke, moving on, first service didn't get that one, you wish you didn't. Um. We should not label wisdom preferences as sinful choices doesn't make us look good, the body of Christ look good, or the cause of Jesus Christ, for us to label something else as sinful just because we don't want to do it. It's okay to say, you know what? Just not my deal. That's a different lane. So he said, it would not be wise to take him because he deserted them in Philadelphia. Pamphylia, I guess is what it says. And, and he continued, did not continue with them in the work. And they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Perhaps one of the least published verses in corporate church of America today. <laughs> like these people disagreed so much, they went a different direction and they were still printed in the Bible. Why do we think everybody's going to always get along? So what did they do when they couldn't agree? Bible-believing Christians, they were like, you know what, I just have a preference. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Silas, and Paul chose Silas, Cyprus, and then Paul chose Silas and left, and they commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Sicily strengthening churches. What happened? When they couldn't agree to be on mission together, they agreed to be on mission apart. The key is you've got to stay on mission. The devil would love to see you sidelined, distracted, discouraged, beat down, focus your message on how bad the other person is. But if you can't agree to be together, agree to be on mission apart. I love what Doug Clay was just saying. This topic is paramount today for our voluntary cooperative fellowship. Let me give that explanation to you. Then I'll give you some things he said. Then we're gonna worship. I'm gonna pray. We're gonna worship. So now I continue to move towards a close. Assemblies of God, we're a voluntary, cooperative fellowship. It's voluntary. No church has to be part of the Assemblies of God. I I need to say this, I'm sure you believe it, but for some of my pastor friends that are watching, we're gonna have people in heaven that are not part of the Assemblies of God. It's true. Um, It's voluntary and it's cooperative. Like, I don't understand being voluntary, uncooperative. Like, what are we, three? (laughs) You know, some of our Christians act like we're three. Some of our pastors, right? I get that. But it's a voluntary cooperation. If you don't want to cooperate, go somewhere else. Like, nobody goes to jail if you leave the Assemblies of God (laughs) that I've checked. I don't know. You know, but I'm just saying, like, it's okay. Like, just, you're choosing to cooperate. I don't understand why people, like, just want to fight. I'm like, if you don't like the restaurant, quit going there. For whatever reason, you don't like the menu, you don't like the commercial, you want more menu, less. The wait's too long. We tried to go to Cheesecake Factory last night with the team, and they were like, it's an hour wait. And Pastor Josh said, that would not be awesome for my marriage. I need to get home and help my wife with the kids. So, <laughs> big bowl it is. You know, I'm just. And the last part is fellowship. Like, don't go through life alone. The the same is true as our church with the Assemblies of God as a whole, but it's true for us. Like, as a church, we operate this way. To the best of my knowledge, nobody is here under gunpoint today. Right? You like semi-volunteer. Now, maybe you were voluntold by your spouse, but it'll go well with you if you do. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's why I do the dishes and take out the trash. It helps my marriage, specifically the romantic part. But I'm just saying, you're not forced. So you might as well worship the Lord. You can cooperate like nobody's going to force you. Pastor David will call you until you say yes to some serve team. That is true. It's true. he will just keep calling you. Just say yes and then skip out if you have to, but just tell him yes, he'll move on. (laughs) And then it's a fellowship. Why go through life alone? We we say every month at Connect Lunch, it's a big enough church. We got different services, languages, ages. It's a big enough church. If you want to show up late and leave early, you could stay anonymous the whole time. It's your choice. But it's a big enough church. If you try a couple times, you'll meet somebody you might want to hang out with. But there's no magical best friend fairy. You got to try. Now, the first people you meet, you might not like them. They might be weird. That's fine. Or maybe you're weird and you guys should be friends together. Like, I'm just saying, like the Lord... But Brings it all together. That's good. But but I'm just saying, you could try a couple. This is a big enough church. Find somebody else. If you go to a group, you didn't like it, try another one. (laughs) Anyway, voluntary cooperative fellowship. That's how we're operating as a church. Because we need to learn what to do when Christians disagree. Because disagreements are part of our humanity. And godly people can disagree. And we see here in Acts chapter 15 that we can go our separate ways and be used by God to expand his kingdom. Now, I remind you, this was not a theological disagreement. This was a preferential disagreement. It was a practical disagreement. This wasn't about one of the ministers said, Jesus is not the only way to God anymore. This wasn't about theology. This was just about preference. They were like, I just don't want to go on a trip with them. Like, I don't understand. Like, there'll be some people I've been here eight years now and I've talked with some people and they're like, well, we don't like that family. I'm like, just sit on the other side of the room. They can't see you, you can't see them. They're like, that would never work. I'm like, come to a different service. <laughs> They're like, how oh, does that work? I'm like, listen, I go to both services. There's people I don't like in each of them. It doesn't stop me. <laughs> it's okay, just change seats. Like, you ain't got to sit by them. Nobody sits by me. Second service, Pastor Dan does, thank you. But you know, like, it's fine. It's okay. Just, just anyway, All right man, Catholicism has it right. Just just confess stuff. It just makes you feel good. Just just unburden your soul here in front of everybody. Praise the Lord. This, is, this has been a blessing to me. I don't know if it's helped you at all, but praise the Lord. I'm feeling helped today. All right. So this wasn't about doctrine. It was just a desire of who they wanted to be with. So this is what Doug said. Let me give you four things and then I might give you three more because uh, anyway, but these four things, when you're making a judgment call. I mean, just this about preference. This is about a disagreement with somebody else. This will help you, whether it's our church or in your town or, or your HOA, whatever it is. I'm just saying, when you're making a judgment call, number one, make sure you feel good about it in your spirit, not just captivated by the persuasive speech of the last or loudest person you've heard from. We're in a time where the last and the loudest seems to hold a lot of sway. You and I, as spirit-filled believers, people of God, the Holy Spirit living in us, we need to make sure we feel good about it in our spirit. Not just, oh, somebody else, oh that feel good about it in your spirit. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. That means you gotta pray. (laughs) Maybe another way that I could frame it, you get to pray. Like we get to pray. You don't have to wait for Sunday. You don't have to bring a sacrifice in the temple like right where you are in the moment when you're driving you're at your house. You can pray. So you gotta feel good about it like in your spirit, not just like, oh, that sounded good. Here's another thing. When you're making a judgment call, don't get bitter if you don't get your own way. Your bitterness isn't gonna affect them anyway. They're gonna go on with their life. They're gonna be unaware that you've even been holding on. But... Don't get bitter when you get your own way. It's a judgment call. And I think this is where, when we allow bitterness to take root, we begin to call wisdom issues, sin issues. Because we get bitter and we can't just say, oh, well, it went a different way. Or it, we, we then start to label, start to point fingers. When making a judgment call. Number three, don't get angry. Keep it in perspective. Why? Because anger never solves the problem. And it rarely wins the debate. Love one of my uh, pastoral mentors, influences, Pastor Rod Lloyd down in Arkansas. He says, if you lose your cool, you lose. If you lose your cool, you lose. Just stay level-headed. Here's the fourth one. And uh, Doug Clay was talking to the national leaders here. He said, when making a judgment call, if you don't have all the information and you're not sure... Learn to yield and trust leadership. Like you, you evaluate, but I'm just saying, like, when it comes to the gaps, do we fill it in with the worst case scenario? Or do we choose to believe the best? When you don't know, just learn to yield. Let me give you just a couple other things a verse and I'm gonna pray for us. You all right? You still with me? Here's three ingredients of disagreements that he said number one, the issue. Number two, the viewpoint. Number three, the person. It's important that we separate them. And then I kind of built on his lesson and I gave it back to him. He's like, That's awesome. I'm going to use that. I said, It's yours, Doug. It's yours. (laughs) It's the Lord's, but it's yours now. When it comes to the issue, speak about the issue. We're not speaking about the person or the view. We're speaking about the issue. Secondly, when it comes to the viewpoint, I would say listen to the viewpoint. As a reminder, listening is more than waiting for your turn to talk. Speak to the issue. I'm not gonna change truth, but listen to the viewpoint. Act like you care, listen, empathy, sympathy, whichever one I mean right now, pick them both. How about that? And when it comes to the person, let me say this, just value the person, value the person. And then he gave some instructions and i give you the verse and we're gonna pray. He said, consider each side is valid before you label them. Wow, we're living in a time where labels are so quickly distributed by people, believers and unbelievers. Why not just pause for a moment before we label somebody? Very rarely does a label help. <laughs> Truth is, there's a lot of publicity in the press against white evangelicals, but the problem is I'm white And I'm evangelical. Well, we don't mean that white evangelical. Well, what you mean white evangelical? I'm white and I'm evangelical. Uh, Labels. Well, we don't mean that. Uh, Labels. So when we resort to putting labels on other people, of course there's gonna be hurt. So many times we put a label, we use uh, relationally charged language. Of course we're gonna have problems. Next thing he said is don't always speak or post your mind. It was like base level teaching at the highest levels of leadership. He said, you know what? There's a lot of stuff that I don't get. Here's the thing. Don't speak your mind. Have the mind of Christ. All right, we talked. He said, listen more and talk less. Keep your motives pure. Apologize for whatever part you played and quickly initiate resolve. As I was praying for you last night, felt like Ephesians 4.27 is where I wanna pray for us today. The Bible says, don't even give the devil a foothold. So that's that's what I'm gonna pray for you. If you're stuck in a doom loop of disagreements, come on, move forward and get back on mission today. If you're able, would you stand to your feet this morning? bow your head and close your eyes I'm not going to ask for a show of hands or to come forward I want to pray for you right where you are I want to pray as the under shepherd of this house under the good shepherd Jesus Christ I want to pray specifically for our church but the church at large abroad in our nation and I want to pray say prophetically that we're not going to allow the devil a foothold in our life bitterness is a foothold voicing continual disagreement that's a foothold But so many here today, maybe you've just been stuck in that doom loop of of disagreement. I'm just telling you, if you can't agree to be on mission together, be in agreement to be on mission separate. But I'm going to pray that we don't give the devil a foothold in Jesus' name. So Father, right now I'm praying for my brothers and sisters that are here in this room and watching online, maybe watching at a later time. We come to you as we understand that the godly Bible believing Christians will one day or soon or often disagree. So what do we do? Father, today we pray and we ask Holy Spirit, give us wisdom, give us revelation, help us be mature in this thing. And we are going to refuse. We're just making a commitment. We're renewing our commitment. It's, it's a corporate decision that we all got to take part in personally. But we're saying we're not going to give the devil a foothold. I'm praying right now for some marriages that disagreements. The devil's been seeking a foothold and I'm just praying against that and I'm speaking and wholeness in Jesus' name. And I'm saying fight for unity instead of against one another. So we're not gonna let the devil have a foothold. We're not gonna give the devil a foothold in this church and in our homes and at our businesses and in our nation. We're not gonna get involved in petty disagreements and we're not gonna get weighed down by the cares and concerns of this world. But We're gonna fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. We're gonna press forward. We're gonna run the race in such a way as to win that prize. And we're not gonna give the devil a foothold in our life we're going to fight for unity because god you've got great things for us and we ask you holy spirit do what only you can do rest on us today we pray in jesus name in jesus name come on let's make it a declaration here today We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or for the 10th time, please reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week.